Okay, today is a continuation of the daily podcast pledge, pledge drive that we're on right now. If you're not already a patron of the podcast, please become one. Know that when you become a patron, you get access to exclusive episodes, and part of your pledge goes toward charities that we support. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I am chair of the Couple and Family Therapy Program at Antioch University, Seattle, and I'm also a licensed therapist. Today, I thought I would just talk about a article that someone sent me on HuffPo titled, Therapy Myths, 10 Common Misconceptions About Seeing a Therapist, written by Artie Battelle. And I'm just realizing here that it was published in 2012. And <laughs> since it's um, 2016, uh, it was published uh, almost four years ago. So uh, it's old, but uh, I'm sure the myths haven't changed that drastically. 2012 wasn't that long ago. I mean, come on. All right, myth number one that they list here. Therapy is like having a paid friend. This is apparently a myth. Yes, I would say that is a myth. Having said that, it really depends on what you mean by friend, right? Certainly a therapist can feel like a friend, and certainly therapists and clients can be friendly. But yeah, it's much different than a paid friend. Um, because the therapist is a clinician and the relationship is designed when it's going well to be a, for the most part, a one directional relationship in that the client sits down, talks about their life and the therapist is there to help. The therapist does not walk into the room hoping to get help from the client. The therapist might self-disclose about his or her life but only does so in the furthering and the assistance of the treatment of the client. Now, this can be very varied. For some therapists, they're quite informal with their clients. And with other therapists, they're quite formal. So, for instance, one therapist might treat all their clients very formally. They might never self-disclose. They might be very professional, so to speak, they might never be friendly. They might never have any small talk. They might sit down and, and get right down to business and, and provide treatment. And other therapists might appear to be like a friend or like a sister or a mom or a dad or a brother, or, you know, some other kind of role to use, particularly if you are in a relationship with that therapist for a long time. But again, it's unethical for therapists to let their uh, let the treatment fall into a friendship rather than keeping a keeping it a professional relationship. Having said all that, there are forms of therapy, given the presenting problem, that might be very what we call supportive therapy, in that the therapy isn't isn't focused on a psychopathology necessarily. It's not focused on trauma recovery or some, some sort of major goal. That many clients come to therapy with a presenting problem, like their, their life is, is not going well, or they feel lonely, and they're having trouble with their self-esteem. But they're not depressed. Uh, they don't meet criteria for 
major depressive disorder. They don't, they're not recovering from any particular trauma. They, they are looking for someone to talk to and to vent with, someone that will listen well, and it's valuable to them, and they're willing to pay whatever they need to pay uh, the therapist to get that service. And so <clears throat> this sort of therapy is some kind, sometimes called supportive therapy, in that the therapist might merely, quote-unquote merely, be listening to the client every session and, and, and isn't working toward any particular goal. <clears throat> so this sort of relationship can seem very much like a friend. You might have friends like this out there. You might have friends that you go to and you just yammer at them and vent, and that friend is a good listener and listens well and cares about you. And that's the end of that. But again, the difference is, is that your friend should also vent back to you. Now, there are some unbalanced relationships, take it from me, that are out there that are like that. But um, but it's, it's supposed to be at least a mutual back and forth kind of thing. So, so it is still different than being a friend. And I think that this myth that the HuffPo is, is pointing out is, is that therapy is, it's just someone that will tolerate you or someone that is just being nice to you, you know, that all a therapist is, 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 is just a, a professional listener. And this is a massive misunderstanding of what therapy is. Again, some therapy uh, relationships are like that, but most are not. And so uh, therapy is not just a paid friend. All right, myth number two, therapy means you're crazy. I don't think I need to go into that one. I think everyone understands that that's just silly. Myth number three, therapy is endless, meaning therapy never ends. And this is a myth that I think is out there. And some people, I would say, adhere to this myth. And it is simply not true. The vast majority of uh, therapist-client relationships last uh, under 10 sessions. I think, I think I, I don't know the statistics, but I think the average length of therapy is three to five sessions or something like that. So most most clients enter therapy briefly and will go to therapy for a month or two, and then they've met their goals and they're done. So most therapy is actually quite quite brief. Very rarely will I see a client that will last longer than a year. There are, but the thing is, is you only need some clients to last longer than a year in order to eventually have a practice full of clients that are with you for years. <laughs> so, say for instance, you have five new clients every month. Well. If one out of every 10 clients is a lifelong client, then every two months you are going to have a new client that will last you the rest of your life. And <laughs> I'm exaggerating the rest of my life. Uh, and so if you practice for five years, I don't know how many that is, six, that's 30 clients that will last your whole life. So 
So you don't need uh, so a small. In other words, a small percentage of clients will last a long period of time. And if you're in th- and if you're in practice for a long enough time, eventually most of your clients will be long term. Having said that, I as a therapist routinely will take new clients, and uh, many of them drop out after a number of sessions for various reasons. Uh, again, mostly because they've met their goals. They they had their mother died recently, and and they're quite upset and they're grieving about it, and they are having trouble concentrating, and they're having trouble in their relationships, and they're having trouble going to work, and so they say to themselves, "You know what? I should I should go to a therapist," and they do. And after a few months, they seem to to be doing very well. And so we talk about it and they stop coming to therapy. So again, the myth is therapy is endless and it certainly is not endless. Another myth is that therapy will cost a fortune. Uh, uh, This myth in HuffPo is a little interesting because it's a little, it's a little, uh, I don't know. A therapy can cost a fortune. (laughs) I will say that if you don't have medical insurance, or you can't use your medical insurance to get therapy. Therapy can cost a fortune. I I charge 140 per hour, which is actually on the low end given my experience. And I know people that charge two three hundred dollars an hour and don't take insurance. So I wouldn't say that that's cheap, right? Uh, if if you see a therapist four times a month and they cost 150 dollars a month and then that is $600 a month. And the, most people earn, I think the average American salary is something like uh, 2000 a month or something like that. So we're already looking at about 30% of your income going towards therapy. That's, that's, that's not sustainable. So I think that therapy can cost a fortune. However, there are many therapists that will take sliding fee uh, fees, but those are not very common. I would say that therapists will come down to like $60 per session maybe, uh, but that's pretty rare. There is certainly pro bono. If you have medical insurance, then that certainly helps out. Uh, I am contracted with Blue Shield and also with Blue Cross in Washington State, which provides uh, pretty much unlimited therapy for its customers, and the copay is twenty dollars, so that's pretty affordable. But if you don't have Blue, Cl- Blue Cross or Blue Shield, then you're I'm an out of network provider for those people, and the charges could go up from there. Especially if if you have a deductible, that's pretty high. Also, if you are if you are if you have medical coupons, if you're if you qualify for Medicaid. Then you can go to a local agency in Washington. In Washington State, they don't let private practitioners use Medicaid, although I think that's changing with Obamacare. But you can get pretty much unlimited counseling at agencies. And at agencies, they have fine therapists there. They're often less experienced, but but quite competent. So, So, yeah, therapy can be... Free to extremely expensive, depending on your situation. Ironically, the richer you are, 
the more you will probably pay unless you have medical insurance. So I don't know. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Incidentally, I haven't read this article. Someone just sent it to me, and so I decided to just read it off the top of my head. So if anything I say is ridiculous and stupid, I blame it on my brain's inability to think off of the top of its head. That's kind of funny to think about my brain having a top of its own head that it thinks off of since the brain is on my top of my head. Okay, myth number, what are we on, five? Five now, five? Myth number five, therapists will blame you and shame you. Uh, Wow, do people actually believe this, that therapists will blame you and shame you? Uh, I suppose that that's true. I, I guess I, for some people, I guess there's probably like two camps. There's, there's some people that would never think this, and there are some people that absolutely would think this. Maybe, particularly if you're watching therapy on TV a lot. A lot of therapy on TV drives me nuts because it focuses primarily on therapists that, that know everything and that judge or almost slightly passively ridicule their clients for not knowing something. You know, like Dr. Phil is talking with a family and the dad is struggling with one thing or another and the and Dr. Phil will say something like, how's that working out for you <laughs> or something? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't actually watch. I've literally watched probably 10 total minutes of Dr. Phil, so... I could be totally wrong, but but at any rate, the, the, one of the myths that HuffPo says here is therapists will blame you and shame you. Um, I will say that some therapists will blame you and shame you, that there's uh, a lot of countertransference that can be provoked and unchecked, and that can certainly lean to, lead to shaming. But for the most part, therapists are trained and supervised and consulted with to become the sort of listener that does not blame or shame. I, as a therapist, love the fact that as a profession, I can listen to people without blaming or shaming them. They can tell me whatever they want to, and I am. it's not my job. In fact, it's actually a counter to my job to judge them, and I, I enjoy that quite a bit. It really fits with my ideals uh, as a human being and as a participant in our society to not shame people. For instance, I will often tell people about the uh, culture in which we live in and how it shames certain things or frames certain things in certain ways. And I, I like to dismantle those ideas so that people can cannot shame themselves. So anyway, myth number six, medication is just as effective as therapy. Again, this is a myth that they're identifying that's a little funny because certainly medication can be just as effective as therapy, if not more effective, but it really depends on the problem. If you suffer from acute anxiety like you uh, are having panic attacks, then a benzodiazepine can, uh, you know, like Xanax, can be extremely effective in reducing your anxiety and uh, in a way that therapy might have a difficult time doing, at least in the short term. So medication can be just as effective or not more effective than therapy. That's, That's absolutely true. Having said that, 
psychotherapy uh, in general is much more effective in much more areas. So if we just took all the various kinds of clients and said, okay, which ones benefit more from therapy and which ones benefit more from medication, my guess is, and again, this is just a guess, I don't have any data, is that therapy helps many more people than medication does, particularly because medication isn't all that effective outside of things like Xanax. Things like Xanax and Valium will absolutely reduce acute anxiety. It's just a matter of, of it, it's, I don't know the percentage, but it's, it's very, it's a, has a very high success rate. But other kinds of medications like antidepressants, you know, SSRIs, these kinds of things, um, have a very mixed uh, result profile. And so, um, whereas therapy... Uh, for depression and these kinds of conditions, if done right and if the client is is willing to work, then it can be quite effective in reducing symptoms. Is is therapy a magical thing? No. Uh, is it always successful? Absolutely not. But uh, but yeah, this this myth is a, is a little funny. All right, myth number. I don't know what number I'm on. Myth number blah, blah, blah. Therapy is passive. What do they mean by that? Therapy is passive. Let's see. It says, Rubenstein says, many people also think therapy is passive. Just think about all the scenes in movies or television shows where the therapist does nothing but nod his or her head. Ah, I see. Well, again, this is nuanced because some therapists are extremely what what this myth is calling passive. I wouldn't call it passive. I would call it actively quiet. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's various different kinds of therapy, but, but yeah, the, if, if people out there believe that therapists are extremely quiet and don't say much, then they're probably watching too much TV. That's correct. Because in my experience, most therapists love to talk, honestly. <laughs> in fact, one of the big things that we universally run into when I'm working with my supervisees will will listen to audio tape of their sessions or I'll directly observe their sessions or videotape or something. We don't use videotape or audio tape. I you know, it's kind of funny. We still use the term audio tape and videotape, even though it's all digital recording now. Anyway, I hope you get what I'm saying. When I review my supervisees work and my own, frankly, one of the biggest criticisms uh, that people will impose upon themselves is, my God, I'm talking too much. <laughs> I need to shut up and listen more. So if anything, therapists talk too much. And you'll hear clients say this. They will say, I didn't really like my therapist because he talked so much. He didn't, he didn't listen very much. You know, people love to hear themselves talk. I mean, now here I am in a room by myself talking into a microphone alone for hours uh, I must like something about this, right? <laughs> We're all narcissistic. We all love to hear ourselves talk, and therapists have that impulse too. And it requires a considerable amount of, you know, training and restraint and supervision to to refrain from getting your jollies by talking too much as a therapist. So, if anything, therapists talk too much. Having said that, there there are definitely therapists out there that are extremely quiet and will. 
will dodge any attempts to uh, get the, the therapist to say something. For instance, my first therapist that I had when I was in college when I was 19 was that way. He was probably psychoanalytically trained and trained to be you know, very evasive if I were to ever ask him a question. And I, I remember at a certain point, like session 10 or something, I remember saying, so I, I've been talking for a long time. I, I'm curious what you think about everything that I've been saying. And, and he would say, you know, a classic uh, psychoanalytic response, or he would say something like, well, I, I'm wondering why you want to know what's, what's going on in my head. Why, why do you want to know that? <laughs> and always deflecting. And, and so, so there are certainly therapists out there that are like that, but, but most, most of them aren't. But I don't have any data on that. All right, another myth. Therapy is all about happy thoughts. Therapy is all about happy thoughts. Do people believe this? Therapy is all about happy thoughts? That would be quite silly. Let me read this one. Think happy thoughts. Think happy thoughts. Yes, but not always. Many new clients expect their therapist to change their perspective and and convince them that they are happy. Oh, I see. So is that true? Do people believe that, that if they go to therapy, the therapist is going to try to change their perspective and convince them that they should be happy? Because if they believe that, yes, that is not true. Most therapists, good quality therapists, understand the value of the full spectrum of emotions and value sadness and grief quite a bit. Having said that, I do know and have seen therapists fail in this way by uh, being threatened by their client's grief and sadness and absolutely will start a power struggle with their client to get them out of thinking negatively and, and feeling negative emotions. And uh, so I, I've, I have certainly seen that, but in, you know, good quality therapists understand the value of, of the full range of emotions and our culture is really against uh, negative feelings in the movie inside out. I think it depicted that very well. If you haven't seen it already, I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil it to some extent. But Joy, the character of happiness, uh, played by Amy Poehler, dominates because her family is uh, seemingly giving the daughter the impression that they want her to be happy. And so happiness takes over all the other emotions, including sadness. And in the end, we, we realize that Sadness plays an important role in our internal life and in our relationship life. And I'm going to cry just remembering that ending scene. It's just so, so touching. Sadness is important, and it's, it's something that we don't like, particularly in our American culture. But it is extremely valuable, and there's something very healing about sadness. And if we're constantly shaming ourselves for being sad or shaming ourselves for being angry, then that's going to lead to bad things. Okay, another myth here. Therapy is... No, I already read that one. Another myth here. There's nothing you can do about the past. There's nothing you can do about the past. What does this one mean? There's always an assumption that therapy is about moving forward and never looking back. When we do this, our past still haunts us. Good therapy allows people to go to those places where they have been wounded and burned and resolve these feelings. Yes. Is that a myth? That seems kind of funny. Okay, last myth here. 
Therapy will make your painful problems worse. Therapy will make your painful problems worse. This is a little nuanced, too, because therapy can make your problems worse, actually. Research has shown that therapy can damage people, even when it's done well. You just can't predict how everyone is going to react to therapy. But it's a very small percentage. It's something like, I don't know, 3 or 4% or something. The vast majority of people benefit, or at least they're neutral about the treatment of therapy. Having said that, when you enter therapy and you start working on things, it can feel bad. Therapy doesn't always feel good. No pain, no gain. When you are recovering from trauma, for instance, it can be quite distressing, but but you need to do that in order to become exposed to certain things in order to recover from, from trauma. Or if you are in a relationship and you go to therapy and all you want is your therapist to tell you how right you are all the time about your fighting with your spouse and your therapist doesn't play into that and says, look, you know, you're responsible for this too. That's not going to feel good, but it's ultimately going to help you. Again, no pain, no gain. So the myth that therapy will make your painful problems worse, uh, I would say that um, yes and no. It kind of depends. That's why I love therapy. It's because it's nuanced. And I've said that before, and I just said it again. All right, well, that was an article in HuffPo uh, titled Therapy Therapy Myths, 10 Common Misconceptions About Seeing a Therapist, written by Artie Patel. If you aren't a patron of the podcast, please become one by going to patreon.com. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. If you're on your phone, I don't know, can you do it? I'm pretty sure you can do it on your phone, but it's probably easier when you're at a larger computer. And go to patreon.com and go to Psychology in Seattle and become a patron. Join the fold. Join the fold. Won't you join us? All right. Well, that does it for another episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us or me. And take care, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself because you deserve it. You really do. And really think about that. You know, you deserve it. You deserve to be uh, taken care of by other people. You deserve to pay attention to yourself. If you're having a bad day or you're not getting enough sleep, you deserve enough sleep. You deserve people to give you a break. You deserve people to give you the benefit of the doubt. You deserve people to be nice to you and to be respectful. You deserve people to not yell at you or to, to uh, not flip you the bird on the road when you're driving your car. They should not do that. And you deserve people to think about you when you're um, having a bad time, send you a card or something like that. You deserve that because you care about other people. And you do those things for others, and you deserve it back. And we all deserve those things when we are nice people. That doesn't make any sense, but I hope you know what I mean. All right, see ya. 